Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. There's commercials I see every day for immunotherapy. I remember when immunotherapy was like still in diapers. Now you're seeing commercials of people like playing tennis being like, ask your doctor about Keytruda. From Offscript Media, I am Matthew Zachary, and this is Out of Patience. You know, there are misconnections, and then there are missed connections, and this one's a doozy, folks. Like me, Dr. Joe Abdo was diagnosed with rare brain cancer in 1996, and like me, is somehow still here 25 years later. Like me, Dr. Joe Abdo's birthday is May 29th. And like me, it took him way too long to get his life together, only for us to randomly meet 15 years later and kick off an incredibly kismet Gemini bromance cancer friendship. You're going to like this episode, not just because it's an incredibly organic reunion conversation amongst friends, but because Joe is definitely somebody you should know about. His pioneering work in genomics, immunotherapy, and biotech have helped millions of patients facing rare cancers in the gastroenterological space, and his company, Stella DX, is invested in educating physicians about giving their patients choice. What an idea! Choice in diagnostics and testing so they can live their lives and deal with their stuff on their terms. I also think my schoolhouse rock kung fu was especially strong on this episode because Joe likes to use lots of fancy syllables. Enjoy my chat with Dr. Joe Abdo. Joe Abdo, my goodness, it's great to see you again. Live yeah. here in studio at Offscript Media in downtown Manhattan. It's been a minute since we've physically seen each other. In about five years? Yeah, and you were a guest on the Stupid Cancer Show in the Paleolithic era of young adult cancer. Yeah. I want to let our listeners know, we talk about niche markets, but... What we have in common is more than just random niche markets. Go ahead. So we ran into each other pretty serendipitously at ASCO, right? Uh, yeah, 2015. Mm -hmm. it was was I in the, um, the 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 square of shame with the other nonprofits in the exhibit booth? Well, no, you came over to my luxurious uh, corporate booth. Ah, I think. yes. <laughs> Where we had like an espresso machine, um, right? Because this right. was after the Sunshine Act when you couldn't give things away. Right, exactly. The espresso machines. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I think I think that's how we met, and um, and then you said you had mentioned something like, "Oh, today's my birthday," and I was like, "Well, so is mine. It was May 29th. And uh, I think because I think you, did your colleague or something got you a limousine and yeah, you said every, that you arrived at ASCO in a limo. So everyone thinks that you're like Dr. Scientist. <laughs> no, that, I mean, ASCO <laughs> always happens during Memorial Day weekend. So every year I never got to celebrate my birthday for like, you know, 14 years because I'm always in Chicago 
and someone decided that year to just celebrate. That might have been my 40th birthday. I don't know what year it was, but yeah, I remember that. And, and you're welcome for thinking I was more important than I was. <laughs> and, that, and then as we continue to discuss, we, I think we realized that we had both brain tumors, both diagnosed in 1996, both treated in 1996. Uh, I just celebrated my 24-year uh, anniversary from being brain cancer free in August. Have my 25th next summer. Do you consider, or here's a question, uh, cancer survivor quiz. Do you consider your cancer anniversary the day you were diagnosed, the day of your surgery, or the day you finished everything, if there is a finish? Uh, I, fantastic question. Answer the question. The question is uh, definitely after by the day of my surgery. So it was... Me yeah, too. Yeah. Because you know that... They came in, said that my brain tumor had recurred. They were like, okay, you're coming in on August 19th. I'll never forget August 19th ever again. For a whole week, I was like, August 19th, get my, my skull uh, opened <laughs> up again for a second time. Should be a doozy. So that's why for me that the 19th is the yeah, my Physically removing it from my body was the very binary way to think yeah, about that's sure. a good day to celebrate. I completely agree, yeah. So I had the chance recently, people listening to my show know I had the chance to interview Dr. David Langer, who is the head of neurosurgery at Lenox Hill, who was the second neurosurgeon I ever met in my life, the first being the guy that saved my life in 1996. Yeah. And we talked about what it's like to touch people's brains. So you did you have an open surgery or you were out? I was out. Okay. Yeah, I was out. But weirdly, the second time around, I asked if they could videotape it. And so then when I was older, I stopped looking at me like that. I asked them if, <laughs> hey, look, I asked them if I could keep it uh, and they okay. said no. All right. So that wasn't, you weren't looking at me like that. And so <laughs> I actually, uh, the older, the older I got, I, some, I had had friends over, we would like bust it out and watch. It's kind of, kind of weird to say, but that's as close as I got to touching a brain was I just watched my own surgery, yeah. but I, I lost the tape. So I don't, I don't have any more. Was it Betamax? <laughs> Pretty close. Was it super yeah. eight, like wonder years? It was, I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was super it was like you know vhs and i remember i had to like had my own little like rewinder for it that's pretty cool <laughs> I'm, I'm officially like brain surgery video jealous right now uh, yeah well i don't have it I, I seriously lost it i my we my parents house they had like you know beaches and like rain man and all these movies <laughs> and then like joey's surgery and universal soldier <laughs> yeah, with yeah, Jean-Claude yeah, van damme yeah, yeah exactly uh 1996 august 19th and so it was so funny and then my friends would come over and they'd always put it on and be like oh but um but yeah i never got a chance but uh my neurosurgeon um Knew that I was interested in anti-cancer. Well, what, know, what were you doing at the time? Were you in college? No, I, was, I was high school. You were high school. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and we went over this a lot on the last time we, we were podcasting together. But um, yeah, I was a freshman in high school. I was originally diagnosed as an eighth grader, but it kind of carried over through uh, into my high school years. And um, and so, yeah, you were in college, right? I was a, a college senior. Yeah. Oh, that's that's brutal. So I kind of already knew a little bit more about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yes. Like, were you oh, already no science geekish no, in high school? No, not at all. Okay. No, I was planning to go into, like, accounting or business or something until I had uh, brain surgery. And then I was so – actually, I, I remember laying in an MRI, which I know that – Those are so man, much fun. Aren't they awesome? The beat. The beats are, so I was, I had this, that my eureka moment, I want to be a scientist while sitting in an MRI just because I was in there and I was like, these noise, okay, this thing is clanging around, banging around, there's a gigantic magnet going around my head and someone had to invent this. Yeah. 
And it, uh, it inevitably ended up saving my life. I think it was a technology from like the 40s and 50s, but yeah. they fine-tuned it and and the pictures are so high definition and they're almost like 3D. And even in 1996, when you and I were both dealing with our indication, the uh, MRI technology was fantastic. And I remember saying like, thank God this exists because they would have no idea what was causing all these issues, where to go, where to cut open and all that stuff. So... Well, yeah, I, I mean, so that's I, why I, I recently had one for like a whatever twenty fifth yeah, year follow up. I'm due, but I'm, they're they're so much faster today. Remember, like ninety minutes in that little. I felt like it was inside a log and in 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 at night in a forest for ninety minutes just to do my head. Forget the spine, which is like two hours long. And today it's like, oh, you're done. That's it. It was like thirty minutes oh, for, for oh, everything. Really? I'm due. I yeah, I, and so that's one of the things I put it because my last one that I had was when I got bumped off my family's uh, insurance. And so I was That's like... That's a good problem to have. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tell me more. And, no, uh, no, like, you know, because I reached the age limit or whatever. And, uh, you know, okay. I was still a grad student. And so I remember I went to my follow-up MRI and I got the bill. And my dad was like, have fun with that. <laughs> and um, and so I have been hesitant to go back. But I have insurance now, of course, so... I should I should probably schedule that. So you are now officially born of your condition. You chose to go into a completely different life track because shit happened to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. hundred percent. I mean, I was just like just envious of the whole process. And it was a field of of life that I didn't even know anything about. I didn't know about science and all my medicine. I uh, talked about last time on your show. I didn't even know what cancer was at the time. Right. And people so- forget that. I live in a bubble, mm-hmm. and then we talk about all these bubble issues on my show and with my colleagues, and we always forget the fact that people that enter this space don't know what the hell anything is, and it's not their fault. We yeah. make a lot of presumptions that they're just going to be their own advocate. They're just going to find this, and they're just going to listen to this. And yeah, what is chemotherapy question I asked of the doctor in 1996? What do those syllables mean? The only time I ever heard that was watching Deborah Winger in terms of endearment. Yeah, right. That was it. That was my only pop culture relevance to those three syllables. Yeah, exactly. No, four, chemotherapy, five syllables. Right. I did go to high school, I promise. <laughs> I believe you. Is it here in New York, though? I'm born and raised in New York, but I went to upstate uh, Binghamton. Uh, go SUNY. Yeah. Go Pirates, whatever they were. <laughs> were they Pirates? They're Bearcats now. They changed. Who changes their mascot? Sorry, Binghamton, I'm railing on you now, but Binghamton changed their mascot. Well, Pirates is super offensive, so... Maybe it was the Buccaneers. I have no (laughs) idea what it was. I'm channeling Johnny Depp. So you went to college, you went to grad school, you got your PhD. Where did you finally center yourself on, I'm going to work on this? Well, I got really lucky because the lab that I worked in at Georgetown School of Medicine had... It wasn't focused on cancer's indications, but focused on becoming basically an expert at analyzing like biochemical mechanisms, whether it's from coming from the genome or the proteome. And so I really cut my teeth on the bench there. And then the first job that I got, I started interviewing around after I got my master's degree. And the first company was a molecular diagnostics company that focused on all solid tumors. And so the day that I went to go interview, I was like, please give me this job. Like, this I is had where one I, of those. Yeah, and I, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I had interviews for a couple other companies, but I was like, I didn't even want to go because I was like, yes, this is I knew I just went through college and our 
experiences with brain cancer and all that stuff for a reason. And I knew once I started at that company, I really like brought everything together beautifully. And then it, that I taught me about the world of molecular diagnostics, which is actually it was very in a, as a field in its infancy when we met. And so I started there in 2010. We met, I think, 2014, 2015. Still, I don't think it's mature to the level it's going to be. I think there'll probably be a test for every different cancer syndication that's out there. Eventually, the era of molecular medicine and precision oncology is just going to keep getting better and better and better. And you need diagnostics to be able to optimize therapies. And the least toxic, most efficacious therapies that work in cancer are the ones that have the targets that are there. That right, Those are a for. lot of syllables. Let's hit the jargon button for a oh, second. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a third grade education right now. Explain to me what you just said. Oh, well, so... In uh, crayon, on yeah, the radio. So someone has uh, a lesion, a tumor, if you will, and those tumors express certain things in their... Uh, cells. So there's pro- we call them proteins and some of them are like proliferation markers. So they re- they literally sit on your cells, uh, surface your cells and they say, grow, grow, grow more cells, more cells, more cells. And then you have proteins that sit uh, either on the inside of the cell or outside of the cell. They're called programmed cell death markers or apoptosis markers, which tell cells to kill themselves. And so our body is constantly in this beautiful dance back and forth of proliferation and apoptosis back and forth back and forth and when you lose that balance and apoptosis goes way down or cell death goes way down and cell proliferation goes way up that's when you get cancer when the body stops being able to regulate its own death of cells right so like they storm the castle the wall falls down and then boom it's the blob right so at the end of the day you discovered this fabulous system within the body where it tries to not kill cells because they need to be there and yet the cells want to die because that's just natural progress of cells Mm -hmm. and yet something happens somewhere in the body at some random point which breaks this system down and the cells are like a prison break correct all right yeah so it's like rather than getting we have cells that are like a stoplight you know whether than getting red red lights and yellow lights it's just green lights all day right uh, it's just grow, 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 keep going. And then all the all the cells and, and proteins that are there to regulate over proliferation are also dysfunctional and can't do their jobs and create that, you know, homeostasis. So this falls under the umbrella of molecular medicine. Yeah, Understanding absolutely. the molecules and the atoms in your body that do weird chemistry, physics things. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not as small as atoms. It's the simple way to look at it is that DNA makes RNA. Right. And so RNA is just one single strand. That part I know. And then, the little, and then there's little pieces of RNA that are called that are made up of amino acids that are called peptides and those peptides make proteins. It's not like transfer RNA channeling like AP bio. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's some of that. Just tell me I'm dumb. Just <laughs> no. tell me to shut up. I'll but stop. The, the RNA makes proteins and your whole body's proteins. So, right. uh, when I started this job in Maryland, I, you know, part of my whole Genesis is that I realized that these proteins where they're expressed, how they're expressed at what rate they're expressed can really help a physician dictate which drugs to use, how aggressive the the cancer is. Cancer drugs are coming out all the time. More targeted therapies, immunotherapies, as you know, are super hot right now. And those are all dependent on diagnostics. So like you can't prescribe someone a PD-L1 immunotherapy unless that tumor expresses PD-L1 because the target has to be there. And so that's... Basically, you can't buy a Nissan until you find the dealership. 
there. Thank you. See? Yes, exactly. All right. So that's what that's the, the world of diagnostics. <laughs> I just want to yeah. dumb this down. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's perfect. And and so that's the the world of diagnostics I became in love with. And just because I knew that uh, it wouldn't have helped us that much, I don't think, with brain cancer in, in the nineties. Yeah. Or, nothing or no. helped. Yeah. No, maybe MC Hammer pants. Yeah. That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Paul Abdul's Rush <laughs> Rush or something. I have no idea. <laughs> Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> exactly. So um, I just, yeah, I became in love with, as you call it, that fabulous symbiotic relationship or, or those mechanisms that occur in our body. And if you understand them well and can get a product for a physician that's easy to use, that doesn't use a lot of tissue, that's quick turnaround time, because you don't want these physicians waiting for more data or more test results on this tissue. So you have to be rapid. You have to use very little tissue. You have to give really good, actually actionable information, like information that will help them guide either their treatment or to know how aggressive the disease is. So if they need to go really hard in the first line or if they can kind of like take it slow and low. Um, so there's tons of usages for molecular diagnostics and it's becoming more and more common. But um, this is why I love having conversations with advocates like you, because you guys are the ones that really get to, could really change this field and really bring awareness that there's tons of tests out there and people might not necessarily know to ask for them. Back with our guest after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So I want to get back to how what you've learned and got excited about actually translates to modern day helping people and making it suck less for them. But I, I, I had a question for you. It took me seven years to find another you, another young adult with brain cancer mm. that I, I, I finally felt like unjudged and, and, and not alone. Even one person did that for me. You know, we met. 15 years after you went through your hullabaloo, yeah. did you encounter any of the Livestrong Young Adult Universe, any of, the, any of the, the ruminings that were brewing in the mid to late 2000s around young adult? Because we met at ASCO. That wasn't a young adult cancer conference. No. Did you experience any peer support, any community for your age 
in the 2000s? No, not at all. And and that's why I think when I first met you and you hand me your car, I mean, like we, we that was a genuine like, did we just become best friends moment? Because what you were doing at the time, what you do now really means a lot to me because I was alone for a really long time. And, and I you said seven years until you found a peer. It was it was about the same amount of time for me. And it was my my best friend got diagnosed with testicular cancer when he was a senior at Notre Dame. And so that was the first time where I was actually where he and then when he got through all, all of his things like he and I have this bond now that, and we can talk about things that we can't talk to anyone else about. And it, and so I didn't realize that I was literally going through it alone. That's the worst part when right. you don't know you're alone. Exactly. And then I, and I got to, to know about all the work that you were doing. And it was like, thank God, because there are a lot of cancers. You know, St. Jude is awesome. I, I worked for them for a s- summer semester. My dad's done a lot of volunteer work with them. But the pediatric cancers, they get a lot of press and they get a lot of funding Breast cancer obviously gets a ton of press, a lot of fun, as they should, you know. So very scary indications, very high indications, and and they're, you know, precious people in the in our country. But the young adults, they're they're totally Bupkis. Bupkis, Bupkis. man. I'm serious. And I, I and I know now I I think hospitals are getting a little bit better. Just because I've uh, the couple of times I've had to go to a hospital now, there's social workers everywhere, and, and I they just, know you're not eighty. <laughs> right. Hey, you're not eighty. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like they check a couple boxes and bounce. Um, but that's why I really, really loved you. And then the more I learned about all the all the work that you were doing, I was like, I'm so happy that this exists. And then I actually was put in touch with young adults in the Washington D.C. area when I was working there that were recently diagnosed, that wanted to know more about molecular diagnostics, that some of them even over- ordered my test or I got it for them for free because of the uh, your network. And um, so I just had one friend that got it and we, we bonded over a little bit, but I was, that was, I mean, I really could have used it. I mean, one of my absolute favorite, and this is purely anecdotal, but just super sweet to talk about, is when you're a doctor, when you're educated, when you happen to be someone who understands the landscape, because it's your career, mm-hmm. you become sort of the odd Sherpa to people because you happen to be there. And I think it's really critical that our listeners understand the common thread of my show is when shit happens, there's no greeter. And people yeah. that know my story know that I had an uncle who happened to be a geneticist and happened to tell me why I shouldn't do chemo. And that's why I'm here today. Your mom was diagnosed with multiple myeloma and Mm -hmm. you knew about how to research what and look for things because you happen to be you and your specialty. Mm -hmm. So your mom goes in, talks to these doctors and you're like, hey, she should do this too. And they said, what? Yeah, uh, that was essentially the reaction. It was actually more kind of a like, oh, aren't you coy? Like, you did you did your Google search Look or whatever. Who did their homework? Yeah, right. And I was just, and you know, I didn't even have to play the the doctorate card. I was just like, anyone can type in multiple myeloma molecular diagnostics. It just so happens that the best test for multiple myeloma was invented sixty miles south of my parents' house in Rochester, Minnesota, at the Mayo Clinic. And so I just said, are you going to run this MSmart three assay on my mom's? tissue because i know you have tissue just took a biopsy and you said oh you know he's like i can order it sure harum, fine. Harum, harum. yeah i was like yeah i mean if you're gonna be pushy about it fine i'll order it and <laughs> and so the next so day not necessary it's, isn't that crazy and my family was like oh joe thank god you came and I, and I was like i'm actually really shook that that wasn't the first thing that came out of his mouth before he said i'm gonna treat your mother with such such and such chemotherapies but she had you 
And that was fortunate. And most people don't have a you or my uncle or someone right. else yeah. in their bailiwick to, to be that person who didn't know what advocacy meant. Yeah. And another recurring theme on my show, as you know, is is not everyone is genetically predisposed to moxie and chutzpah yeah. and, and just being a little irreverent and demanding a third, fourth, fifth, sixth opinion because they're not happy with what they're hearing. I want to pivot now into what you're doing in the diagnostic space because this goes back to the fundamentals of choice that you don't know you have. And just because all the best uh, oncologists are aware of all the best diagnostic tests and let's say a utopian system where it's yeah. all there, what is still the barrier for someone like your mom to know that there's something else for her to do before or after treatment begins? Well, there's going to be a huge change in the next couple of years. I mean, you're starting to see c commercials during Monday Night Football for Cologuard, which is a molecular diagnostic test for colon cancer. Is that you, the poop on a stick thing? Yeah, poop in a box yeah. thing. And um, it's a great test, and the company's doing really well, and its specificity is pretty high. And so I would, you know, I would definitely do it if I had, you know, colorectal issues. But, um, but there's commercials for it. There's yeah. a like, blue colon walking across <laughs> the screen being like, ask your doctor to order Cologuard. Right. And, and, not, and there's commercials I see every day for immunotherapy. And I remember when we first met, immunotherapy was like still in diapers. It was just syllables and, that meant nothing. Right. And yeah. no one knew that it was going to you know, kind of revolutionize molecular oncology or clinical oncology. And now you're seeing commercials of people like playing tennis being like, Ask your doctor about Keytruda. Yeah. It's the, the world. Live I, longer. Yeah, I never thought in a million years, Matthew, that I would be seeing that on Monday Night Football commercials. Um, so I don't know if just because there's commercials for it, that, that, that barrier is still not there. But right. um, Do we know how many people are now actively, I think even going to share that consumer data, how many people are actively now asking their doctors? Because again, I guess it's, it's less invasive, it's less embarrassing, it's less, you know, that weird crap you have to drink and then crap your brains up for a day right. before your test. Yeah. I love the simplicity of it. Yeah. It's much less invasive on your day-to-day -day life, getting back to work, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Are more people actually getting this now? And are the diagnostics companies sharing the information about more people opting in and is it reducing risk or getting more early detection i think it's too early to say that but i do think that the normalization of the diagnostic aspect because everyone knows about the treatment aspect everyone right. knows about has heard of chemotherapy and radiation and now targeted therapy is a little less known but it's becoming huge you know and, and that those those drugs are very efficacious and less toxic than chemo use a lot of syllables no i don't these are just Efficacious is like an SAT <laughs> word, bro. How about they work like yeah. motherfucker good? Yeah, they work great, and um, and they're they're less harsh on your body. It's yeah. rather than you carpet bombing with a stealth bomber, you're using snipers. Um, See, you can do it. I can. You can do I know. it. We need you need to help me. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know if the volume of diagnostics is going up, but the biggest barrier to me is standard of care. Right now, so doctors get set in the way. I, I love I love all oncologists. I love pathologists. I have, that's my disclaimer. I love <laughs> Full sur sur surgical You're oncologists. Awesome. They're great, but they a lot of them have these very precise uh, clinical sequences and protocols that they've been following for years. And then for someone like my company, which analyzes esophageal adenocarcinoma, so we're like a coligard, but for higher up in the GI tract. See, you did it again. That's good. Yeah, coligard for esophagus. Yeah, that's a, close to what we are. 
no one's gonna no one that has Barrett's esophagus is gonna know what molecular diagnostics is or not right. a lot of people are so the biggest challenge for me is not to get enough money where i can have a commercial on monday night football what i am gonna have to do is i'm gonna have to make studies that show that if you use this test that it will help you optimize first line therapy notify you that this patient's disease is you know becoming more progressive or staying normal or or behaving normally but, but this cologuard for esophagus is something doctors use but do patients have to ask for it or your goal is to educate no, more so doctors to have the the test on the shelf when they need it yeah the biggest competition is not another company it's standard of care right so it's getting to convince doctors they know what to do when someone with barrett's esophagus which is the precancerous condition esophageal cancer is that ENT, like ENTs like you find That's this out there in endoscopy gastroenterologist gastro yeah. okay. and so they yeah do upper endoscopies and so they know what to do they've got exa- you know they know exactly what to do. they use internal pathologists they take pinch biopsies they look at things microscopically or with their own eyeballs and they just say it looks about the same um, but they're not looking at things from a molecular level like are, are these markers that I talked about earlier that say grow 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 or the ones that are that say you know kill yourself what are they? What are these cells doing, or what are these proteins doing? They don't know any of that information, and so that's all we're trying to provide for them to say that the, this tissue looks like it's actually turning cancerous, or this tissue looks like it's stable. So you can the ones that are stable, they can come in for their endoscopies less often. So there's a healthcare economics benefit. So this is a risk reduction diagnostic. Yes, tool. and then and then we will have a diagnostic test for people that you know, God forbid, end up progressing to esophageal adenocarcinoma, which will look at a bunch of targets. Uh, that are applicable to the FDA-approved th- therapies for esophageal cancer. So there's cancer. like a so, whole other so be, show we can do about how do we talk to gastroenterologists about, you know, is this test right for you? How do we get this on your shelf? Exactly. How are they educated about this? That's going to be the That'll by be the far, other show. That'll be by far the hardest part. Yeah. Seriously. So, like, I, it's really easy to, to explain this to a potential patient or you know, someone like you, because it's not our job to know this. It's right, the doctors. It's our it's our expectation that doctors know right. this, and the the clinical protocols and sequences that they're already following. They know how to get paid on it. They know how to do it. They're experts on it. And it's like, oh, do I want to add another test? Like, do I even know if this test is gonna give me information? Am I wasting money by ordering this test? Is it, am I gonna waste tissue, which is precious? You know, when they go down there and get that pinch biopsy, that's precious information. You know, inside of that tissue. That will tell you if the, if that tissue is you know turning cancerous or if, or if it's just you know it's going to stay the same for a decade, um, and so that's that's really the hardest part. I think our biggest competition. People ask me, so who's your competition? No, it's the standard of care. Well, we we could go on and on, and I'm committing to a second show. I want to figure out is there a version of my show that we can get gastroenterologists to listen to. <laughs> Let's see if anyone wants to chime in on social and say, not possible, or go forth and figure this out. But at the end of the day, you're a rock star, you're a hero. I mean, 24-year brain brother of mine. I'm sorry it took so long to meet each other. But, you know, once you're in the club, you're family. And we have beyond the Gemini May 29th, which is, by the way, Janet Jackson, John F. Kennedy, and Bob Hope. I'm sure there's more, too. If it were Dwayne Johnson, we'd feel complete, but I don't think it's him. But at the end of the day, like, I'm just, I'm thrilled to know you. I I love that you have channeled, when bad things happen to good people, you choose to do things that you didn't expect to do. So you are the master sous chef 
of your expertise. And as much as I love all the syllables on your homepage of Stella Diagnostics, StellaGX.com, we'll put a link in the description. You know, you are the CEO. You've chosen to take on huge responsibility in your career to help millions of people have things suck less for them by way of educating doctors. It's no small task to do that. And I commend you. I'll give you the last word because I do want to end by saying that Stella Diagnostics just won the Buzz of Bio Award for 2020. For those that don't know what that is, you can Google it because it's a little geeky, but it's <laughs> super cool. So what's in store for the next 30 seconds of your life? Uh, getting out of New York and going back to Utah to see my four kids. But uh, thank you so much, Matt, for having me on. And honestly, man... The work that I do and me deciding to you know take on this endeavor, which will you know, obviously cause a lot of stress. I don't have any other hair to fall out, but my computer is, is turning gray, as you can tell. Being able to work with guys like you, and honestly, like I am so thankful that people like you exist. And I'm I'll be back for work probably in six weeks or so. Let's do this again because there's so much more I want to talk about, and I just I'm very thankful you had me on. Dr. Joe Abdo, CEO of Stella Diagnostics, 24-year survivor of brain cancer. My friend, thank you once again. Great to see you. Thanks, Matt. That's all for today, folks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Jen Horanjeff and Andrew McDowell. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com. <laughs>